Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page. Well, Israel was amazing. I want to ask you a question. If any, is anybody here as passionate about, about communion as I am? Who's this? One? That's us, okay. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you, because I, I bought a whole bunch of those but, so for my staff, but I'm going to give two away uh, so people that give. And this is basically a, um, this is uh, from the garden tomb. This is an um, olive wood, olive tree, and it's the real thing. And um, Sorry, I already sort of, and you can buy it yourself when you get there. You know, so. <laughs> They're not very expensive, really. Um, but the thing is, though, it's, for me, it's the most important cup. Indiana Jones was looking for it. And um, it, uh, I found it uh, right there in the garden tomb. And I was, I was, um, I was able to, uh, to share about communion, with communion with 120 in our group, which was actually a very, very powerful, powerful time. You know, I don't know about you, but this morning I'm going to talk about Israel. Uh, what about Israel? So what about Israel? And I want to talk about today, and then next week we have Catherine, and then the following week I want to finish it, because I want you to have a heart for Israel. You know, funny, you know, I was in Holland, and, and like Catherine said, and some of the others here, you, you cannot prepare your heart really for what God does and what his heart for his people. And uh, I was already at Schiphol Airport, and we were trying to check in, and there were this Israeli, because uh, we, we flew with El Al. You know, it's got to be three hours in, before, the service, before the flight, and uh, all these checkpoints, and why are you coming here, and what are you doing, and all this kind of stuff, you know. And they were all, but I saw them in the distance, you know. I really started crying. I said, I'm weeping already. That's a Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. You know, I saw the people with beautiful noses, you know, and these beautiful people who just are so adored by God, and most of them have no clue about it. That's another issue. But the thing is, though, it is... It is I, I, and when we came to Israel, we walked down there, we actually landed, and again, tears in my eyes, you know, something about the land, there's something about the people, there's something about what the Holy Spirit, I mean, come on, he was birthday, you know, it's just something about the land, which is just so amazing. Thank you also so much for praying for me, uh, I had to speak in Dutch, which I never do, hardly ever do, like once a year, uh, in Holland, and it was a real, real joy, and it worked, and uh, I'm so blessed, it's just a great church, Raphael Gemeente in, uh, in Amersfoort, and we had a fun time talking about uh, communion, uh, about uh, putting God first uh, every morning. I've not ceased to have communion. Last year I went to the garden tomb and I started taking communion. I had a real revelation about communion, about, uh, about his love for me and my love for him. And I said, Jesus, I'm going to start with you first uh, every day. And since October last year, until uh, October now, it's a year, I haven't failed to have communion every morning. Every morning Jesus is first in my life. Every morning I drink the cup. Every morning I take the bread. And I celebrate him and tell him that he is first in my life. And I tell you, your life starts changing. When you put him first in your life, something starts to happen. Some of you are doing it too. I'm not going to ask hands anymore because it's just too disappointing to hear <laughs> how, many of, how many of you are doing it. But last year was about eight or last, last month I asked. But um, the thing is though, spend time with God. Even if you don't to take communion, that's fine. But please, please make sure you spend time with the Lord. And... Um, Put him first in your life. It's amazing what happens. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all the other things will fall into place as well. Amen? Amen. God loves his people. I really abhor uh, the replacement theology. Do you guys know what replacement theology means? Some of you know. Some of you have no clue what, it, what I'm talking about. The replacement theology basically, and, and it's rife particularly in New Zealand, but also in the Western world and the church, is basically that the church, that the Christian church has replaced Israel. Israel failed. Israel rejected the Messiah, Jesus, and now basically we Gentiles, we the church, are now the new Israel, and we have replaced uh, Israel 
as such. But we'll see today that God has never rejected his people and we can never replace Israel. There's always two tracks, like a train track, you know, a real track. There's always two things going on. There's God's um, journey with his people Israel. His, uh, they call him his firstborn son. Jesus is his first begotten son, but Israel is called his firstborn son. And God has this particular, for thousands of years, as you know, a journey with them, which is unique, which is beautiful, which is powerful, and which is just there, right? We have not replaced that. Now, we have also, we'll see today, we've been grafted in, so we can also be part of this whole thing, which is a real blessing, and we are very lucky to be involved in this whole thing, and we're even sitting here today. But the thing is, though, God's got a plan. But, of course, also then, we have become one in Christ. Jews and Greeks have become one in Christ in the church, which is also true, and that's absolutely wonderful and powerful. I want to read a scripture here in Romans 11, 1 to 10. I asked you then, this is what Paul is saying right in the middle here of Romans. He says, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Did God not reject his people whom he foreknew? God did not reject his people. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. He tried. Lord, they have killed your prophets. They torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? That's what he says. He says, I have reserved for myself, reserved for myself, 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, then grace would no longer be grace. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. And we'll see in a minute, that's the righteousness by works. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, may that table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. What is the big picture here in Romans? In the Romans uh, 9, 10, and 11, Paul talks about his own people, his own people, Israel. And the problem is that Israel has rejected Jesus. They have rejected Yeshua HaMashiach. They've rejected the Messiah. And it appears that God's promises failed. But it's not that case. If you look back in, in chapter 9, which we won't do today, you can see that God is not to blame. Israel has brought this on themselves. And what is the problem? What is the problem? Pride. pride. That's not pride. What is the problem? It's kind of like pride. What's the problem? The main problem that is actually in the whole thing of the Bible, in, in particular in Romans, uh, one of the main things of this whole book. Unbelief. It is unbelief. Unbelief. The context of the whole thing of Romans, the book of Romans, is this whole thing that Paul is comparing self-righteousness based on your self-doing or your works and faith righteousness, which is a gift from God, which is through grace. And so Israel did not believe the faith righteousness. They did not believe Jesus, that he was the Messiah. And so they did not receive the gift of righteousness. Right? And so Paul tries to hammer to the people, his own people, Israel. Say, please, you can't be works-based anymore. It is not longer like the old covenant we used to have. Yes, that was works-based. But there's a new covenant in town. 
And that's no longer based on works. It is based on faith. It is based on Jesus Christ. And salvation has nothing to do with what we do. It is not like this anymore. There's a new righteousness in town. We can't make ourselves holy. We can't make ourselves righteous. Works doesn't count. Behavior doesn't count. Good living doesn't count. Effort doesn't count. Get off this treadmill of behaviorism. Of try harder. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness. Come on, there's a new righteousness in town. You have to believe in Jesus, in the Messiah, in his finished work. It's all about him. See, the new covenant is a faith covenant. It is not about what you do. It's about faith. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. Christianity is a faith confession. If you confess with your mouth, if you believe with your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you will be saved. That is a faith, righteousness by faith alone. So we see in chapter 11 here that Israel's failure is not permanent. We see here that God is not rejecting his people, but he will fulfill the promises to him. And it says in in chapter 11, it says that it will be even more glorious. Why is it more glorious? It's because Israel's temporary stumbling has been God's means of bringing salvation to the rest of mankind. It is no longer about one nation. It actually was never about one nation because always God had purpose that the nation of Israel would be a template, would be a, a testimony ambassadors for the kingdom of God. But even now we see it's no longer about one nation, but it's about nations, that nations can come in. And we see that in the end, of course, Israel, all Israel will be saved in the future. And that the Gentiles should not boast and be arrogant about this. But our job is to love them, to honor them, to bless them, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's funny, you know, because it is actually going to be through the Gentile Christians, it's us, that salvation is going to come to the Jewish people. Amazing, isn't it? It came from the Jewish people. Salvation has come to the whole Jewish deal. And now we've been grafted in, and now I'll talk about it in a minute. And then, but they rejected for a time. They've been blinded, actually, for a time for the sake of us. But God never rejected his people. Don't believe it, because you may have heard it. It is rife in this nation. Churches say this. Replacement theology. Israel bad. Israel not bad. Israel's got their own problems, like we all have. But it's a chosen people by God. And God loves his people. And what they so tried, they so tried to obtain passionately. It's a righteousness by works. It is no longer legal. It is no longer legal. And they can't see it. But they've been blinded for our sake. They've been blinded for our sake. But there's a remnant. There's a remnant who understand grace. And we see this. They receive Jesus. And we see this with the apostles. We see this with Paul. The, earth, the first fruits of this beautiful 
Salvation. Did you know, uh, I was, we were talking to a rabbi, and he's been there like about 40 years now. He's leading a Messianic church. He, and when he became a, a believer in Christ, a Messianic Jew, um, like about 40 years ago, there was hardly any Messianic believers in, 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 uh, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. And he talked about the journey, how it was so difficult, there was so much opposition, but how God, by his Holy Spirit, started to bring people into, into faith. And it's just amazing. And he says, now we have about 30,000 people uh, I think around Israel, uh, in about 500 Messianic congregations. And of course, as you know, many, many are becoming uh, Messianic uh, believers, believing in Yeshua. And it's, um, it's hard work, but it's happening right now. What's also amazing is, of course, that the scriptures are being fulfilled as we, as we walk there, as the people are coming back from the nations, you know. Truck loads, more plane loads, you know, are coming into the nation to establish themselves in the nation and God said that, Zechariah, Liar, Isaiah, and all these guys. They all prophesied about it. And they're all coming back to this nation. And of course, one day, all Israel will be saved. We don't know exactly how it's going to happen. But we know when it's going to happen in the sense of when the fullness of the Gentile has come in. They've been blinded for a while so that we can come in. And so we have to do our work, which is to preach the gospel. Jesus said that from Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the ends of the earth. And we are the ends of the earth. And so we preach the gospel. We talk about Jesus, his grace, his mercy, his unconditional love for us, right? And we do our work. But when the fullness of Gentiles, when it's all finished, with all the nations that God has appointed, all peoples have heard the gospel, then one day it's going to be all over. But then all Israel will be saved. It's going to be so incredible. I don't know what it's going to look like. I want to talk about it a little bit more in two weeks' time. It's going to be powerful. You'll have so more, such a love. Verse 6, if it's by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Grace is not based on works. In the Passion Translation, verse 5 says this, And since it is by God's grace, it cannot be a matter of good works. Otherwise, it would be a gift, wouldn't be a gift of grace, but earned by human effort. And this is the problem Israel had. They so wanted salvation, but they try hard and they try to earn it by works. And it's no longer that because Jesus Christ has done something new. And you've got to believe in him and his grace. You know, we cannot mix this gospel. We cannot mix law and grace. But you know, we all do it. There's many churches, many of our churches in the Western world in particular, but also others. We all do it. And it's one of the biggest problems that we have in our lives and in the church. A mixture. A mixture of the gospel of grace. Right. It combines the unmerited favor of God by grace, nothing you can do about it, with the merited wage of human effort. But we have to do something to make this salvation work. And you know, very simple. These kind of questions are at the bottom of this. Look at this. You are saved by grace, but you maintain your position through right living. It sounds really good, isn't it? But that's the mixture of gospel of grace and unbelievable. Or God gives you grace so that you can keep his commandments. Now, it sounds really good, doesn't it? it sounds really good. But the problem is that we are starting to trust in self. And we're not called to trust in self. We're not trust, we are called to trust in our own effort. 
I'll go a bit deeper to offend some more here. <laughs> if you confess your sins, you'll be forgiven. If you do right, you will be accepted. If you act holy, you will be holy. And failure to do this, you will lose your forgiveness. You will lose your fellowship with God. And the worst one, you will lose your salvation. Now, the truth is so far from this place, you know. A mixed grace message will always put the emphasis on you and what you have to do. And then your identity will always be defined by your productivity. And it's the worst one ever. I'll say it again. Then your identity will be defined by your productivity, by your works and how good you live, how good you do, how good you, even how good you believe. I'll tell you something else. Faith is a gift from God. There's nothing you can do. Absolutely nothing. Do you know, by the way, what is the unforgivable sin? Let's go really deep here. What's the unforgivable sin? Oh, you guys are so trained so well. I love you. I knew we had a purpose Catherine, here in New Zealand, you know. It's, it's unbelief. Unbelief is the only thing Jesus didn't, couldn't die for. It's unbelief. It's unbelief. That's it. Sure, the Holy Spirit is offended or, or, or not happy if things happen in our lives that are not good and right. And of course, he doesn't like it. But it's not the unpardonable sin. Jesus Christ paid for sin. The only thing that's unpardonable is you don't believe it. And there was a problem here with Israel. They didn't believe it. And so they didn't enter into the grace of God. And it was terrible. It's still terrible. I heard a story yesterday from a guy who was trying to, um, to they actually say, please don't, on our trip, don't, don't share your gospel uh, with um, Israelis because they got really offended. Man, he's got offended to these people. They're, they're honestly, and they won't have Isaiah. Do you know, because you can say, hey, Isaiah 53, you know, it's all about Christ. You know that they, it's in the Bible because they can't take it out. But you know, they never read it. And if you appeal to it, they walk away. They say, we can't go there. We won't go there. It's unbelievable, isn't it? They want to be so stern. Everything is about the word. Isaiah 53 doesn't exist. Oh, yeah, it does exist because you have to put it in the Bible. 52, 53, 54. I guess you have to put it there. But you cannot appeal to it at all. Isn't it amazing? So righteous, but then they don't look at that scripture. And even now, they talk about all kinds of wild stories. I heard yesterday that, that a Roman soldier, that's why he's got blue eyes. Jesus had blue eyes. Serious. And the white skin because Mary was raped by a Roman soldiers. Serious. And that's what they, they, rabbis say this. Serious. That's how blinded they are. But the thing is, though, one day, they all will be saved. And it says like a resurrection from the dead. God is not finished with Israel. He loves Israel. He loves us, but we know that he loves us. Well, most of you know. But he loves Israel. Amen? Amen. Amen. But he wants to get us out of performance. It's not about but do good, get good, do bad, get bad. It's not about that. It's not about that. Watch Menin says this. This is pretty interesting, actually. You can try or you can trust. The difference is heaven or hell. <laughs> you can try or you can trust. The difference is heaven and hell. Well, I didn't say that. He said that. And he is actually a grace guy. Guys, we've got to trust. The only way to have salvation is to trust in the finished work of Christ. He did it all for us. And then good living comes after that, obviously. But the thing is, though, he empowers us. Grace always empowers great living 
in our lives. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Amen. It is actually very interesting what it says in John 6, 28. It says, what? It says here, it's the disciples asking Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answers, the work that God wants from you is this, to believe in the one who I've sent. That's it. You believe in the one that you said. And you know that he will fill you with your Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And the truth will start working in your life. And everything will start sorted out, be sorted out in your life. Amen? Amen? But it starts with faith. It starts with faith in the one. And then he'll fill you with his Holy Spirit. And it'll give you a new life. You become a new creation, born of uncorruptible seed. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a new life. Amen? Amen. Again, let I ask. Verse 11, did they stumble as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all, Paul says. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how rich do you feel today? How much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? It's going to be incredible when the fullness of all the Gentiles will come, the riches that grace has given to us, the unconditional merited faith, love of God, and favor of God in our lives. When Israel also see that at the end of time, then we're all going to have a party. And we're all going to have, of course, eternal life. And we're going to have an amazing party forever. You think this is a party two hours on a Sunday morning. Come on. It's going to be forever. So you better love your neighbor. You're going to be with that person forever. Forever is a long time. Forever. Did I say that? Did I say forever? That's a long time. But there won't be marriage in, in heaven, so don't worry. If you're really struggling in your marriage, then don't worry. Not me. We're 30th anniversary. Every hotel I go to this, this year, they all ask me, do you have any details? I say, yes, 30th wedding anniversary. It's in December, but the whole year, you know. And we went to this thing in Singapore. Wine. I drink wine. I don't drink wine. But anyway, wine. It was a nice help. Welcome, Mr. and Mrs. Hukendag. You know, 30th anniversary and stuff. Everywhere we go, it's our 30th anniversary this year. It's true. It's in December, but I just do the whole year, you know. And every time somebody asks me, it's like, and next year, you know, it'll be the 31st, you know. They'll keep on going like this. And they love it, you know. They love it. We love celebrating. Israel, by the way, Israelis love celebrating. That's why Jesus had the feast. God loves that we celebrate him and celebrate life. Anyway, so salvation has come to the Gentiles. So we should be so happy. Their failure and their rejected, their blindness, their temporary rejection of Messiah has given the Gentiles faith, has given the Gentiles salvation. So we should be so grateful to Israel, so grateful to the Jewish people and so love them. And then try and make him jealous like Paul did. So why are you so happy? We love God. I love God. I'm not happy like you. <laughs> Their loss was our gain. By the way, they are happy in the sense of, you know, some of those people, when they're dancing in front of the, you know, the, the, the wall. They don't have the spirit in them, right? I'm talking about now they have the book. The book. I'm, I'm just a book. It's not me. Book. And they go, they go dance. They're happy in their own way. Think of some of the orthodox ones. Little rings, you know, black. Beautiful people. Steeped, steeped in religion. But there's a faith. There's a faith in God. Verse 12 how much more will their riches, their full inclusion bring glorious 
when all Israel will be saved. Verse 13, I'm talking to you Gentiles, in as much as I'm the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people, Paul's talking, into envy and save some of the ones. Envy into this thing. Verse 15, for if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, listen to me, say it again, it's the word of God. For if their rejection of the Messiah right now, blinded for a time only, by God, by the way, I'm just saying, reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? I wonder what's going to happen to the six million Jews who died in the Holocaust. You know what I think? I think they're going to be with us. That's what I think. What do you think? That's why I can't prove it. But this says a lot about it. God has not rejected his people. He loves his people. This theology has been the biggest mistake in human history. Anti-Semitism is still so strong in the world today, even in the Christian church. And it has to stop. For one, you don't get any blessing. God hates it when you do that. Hate it, hates it. But we love, we love his people. We love his people. And you know, they justify this. You know the Holocaust happened, six million Jews died, World War II. Did you know that that was, that was sanctioned by the church? Did you also know, it's actually very sad, that my, one of my favorite heroes of the faith, Martin Luther, great reformer, the Reformation, through him, we got grace. He was an anti-Semitist. And because of that, Hitler could take us. He, Christians believe it too. Kill the homosexuals, kill the Jews. Wrong, sin. It's awful. What we have done is awful. And the church did nothing. I don't think everybody believed that. There were others, as you know, who would not believe that. One of the things that was really good, I've got to keep going, is um, one of my favorite worship leaders um, is a guy called Paul Wilbur. And I don't know, maybe the 50 pluses around us here. Does anybody know Paul Wilbur? Yeah. I always try to get him to New Zealand, but he's so expensive to get here. Serious, about 30,000 per concert or something. And the thing is, though, and then we heard that he was doing a concert in, in Jerusalem. So my mother and Bonnie and I said, I can't miss this thing. I'm going to go to see Paul Wilbur. And I put some things on my Facebook, if you follow me. And it was just such a joy. I want to say something else, though. I'm going to show you a clip just now of one of the songs, Ed and I, which I love that song. And, of course, he made famous Days, Days of Elijah. He released it 20 years ago. And it's still being sung right now. She sung it today, darling. But it's just a great, great song. And uh, Paul Will was one of my heroes. And uh, you know what happened was we went to uh, Masada and we actually at the thing. The whole band was there. All this band from Nashville because they're actually releasing a new album. He was recording that night a new album called Roar from Zion. The lion, Roar from Zion. Can you imagine? And so, and so he recorded that. And we were there, all these guys from Nashville, all these guys, young, amazing musicians. like, uh, and, uh, just amazing. And, and we saw them all in Masada. All of them sitting there, except for Paul Wilbur. And I, I, I missed them by a minute. So I was really irritated. But we saw, we went to that concert. But one of the things was really special. On the night, he says, do you know? And he, he asked how many, and people put their hands up. There were a whole bunch of Holocaust survivors who have been invited for that concert. And they were all there. Amazing. I also went to a secular event with my brother, totally different, totally unrelated, in Holland. It was the 74th anniversary of the veterans 
you may have seen on my Facebook too, that some of those guys who fought, Americans, English, who helped to, to free Holland. Huh? Americans, um, Canadians, and British. They're all 93 plus. <laughs> really old people. And they're all honored. And the Israeli ambassador to Holland was there and he spoke. Thank you so much for freeing Holland. And of course, Holland stood with the Jews, the people, of course, of Holland and against Hitler and all this kind of stuff. But it was such a, all this kind of stuff happening just before we went to Israel. Can you imagine? I wanted to do a little clip. Can I just play a little clip from, um, this is the uh, song from um, Other Night. Just one second for Paul Wilbur. Imagine, that was one of my highlights of Israel, I'll be honest with you. Don't you kill to be with Paul Wilbur like this? Isn't it amazing? Honestly, the songs and some of the songs that they wrote and some of the other young people who were involved there was absolutely incredible. Some of the locals were saying to us, how can we honor Israel? How can we show them envy? But how can we support Israel? How do you love them? They say two things. These are not Christians. These are not messianic. How can we, they said, one, love the God of Israel, not Jesus, but the God of Israel. And love the land. Love the land. It's their land. It always was their land. I was thinking about this nation, you know. There's something happened with Catherine saying to the whole thing of Mari Pakia. There's something happening there. And I know we've had a lot of distribution for the Mari land was stolen and all this kind of stuff. I get that. But the thing is, there's something about the land, guys. For Maori people, it's very important. The land. The land. The first nation people is the land. Indians in America, the land. The land. Honor them. Pray for Israel for the land that doesn't get divided. God will not allow it anyway. Uh, but keep praying for this whole thing. Jerusalem March. There's a photo about the Jerusalem March. Actually, I didn't go on it this time. Uh, Helen, you went on it, didn't you, John and Helen? Did you go on it, Dave? Yeah. Is there a photo of the March? Sorry, it was last year. The only thing I could find. Uh, but the thing is, there tens of thousands of people stand with this. And honestly, the tears, and some of you guys will maybe share in two weeks' time, and John and Helen will talk about it. The, the, the tears of the people. These are not Messianic believers. They see the people, the church. They know it's the church. They know it. And they love us. Jan Willem van der Hoeven is a very good friend with Netanyahu, personal friend. They always have Christmas together and other meetings. They know how the Christian church will stand with them, even if all nations, and of course America stands with them right now. They love Trump. They love all this stuff, right? It's happening right now. But we stand with Israel and we love on them. We say, listen, you're not forgotten. God has not rejected you. And so we're going to march. I, I, I don't care if we go every year march through the city there. We're going to keep on, keep on celebrating who they are. And who, how much God loves them. If part, almost, almost done. Well, yeah, almost done. If the part of the dough offered 
verse 16, as first fruit is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off, and you, though a wild olive shoot that you and I have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root. Wow, this is so amazing. We are a wild olive shoot. I just gave a little cup away. It's the real on the olive tree. It is, it is the nation Israel, olive, the olive root, the olive tree. Many things, actually, if you, if, you, if you have the bigger picture, it will be the tree of life. It's actually Jesus himself. Into the sap of Jesus, into the sap of Israel, into the sap of the history of that beautiful nation and God's own people, we have been grafted into this nourishment through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, this is so amazing. And we eat and we drink and we celebrate this nourishing sap every day. That's why I love doing communion every day, because I take his body. I take what, what, he, what he suffered for me. And his power, his life broken for me, gives me life, gives me power, gives me energy, gives me everything. He heals me, restores me, and blesses me in every way. And I love this power. We are wild olive tree. We had nothing. We had nothing. We had no history like Israel. We had no covenants. We had no prophet. But we are grafted in, into this Jewish tree. It is a Jewish tree. The covenants are made with Jewish people, not with you and me. Later on, we get grafted in, but it's still all the covenants, all of them, are with Jewish people. Paul was a Jew. The first 120, when the Holy Spirit fell, was not on you. It was on the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew. These are Jewish people. We love Jewish people. I want our church to love Jewish people. Let me never hear anything else in this place. You can walk. not going to happen in this place. <laughs> Serious. Serious. You know what happened though? Then we get the Holy Spirit too. You know where it happened? In Caesarea Maritime. Here's a picture. Caesarea Maritime is a beautiful town. Actually, show a little video. It's actually really beautiful. It's on the sea, just above uh, Jaffa, about Joppa. Where, look at this. It's a beautiful place. Caesarea Maritime. Up the coast from Tel Aviv. So up, up Tel Aviv is this stuff, and then some of the ruins, some of the photos, uh, some of the ruins there, and some of the, the Romans were there, and all this kind of stuff is there. Anyway, the thing is, though, <coughs> important, though, some of you may remember that story of Peter when he saw this um, sheet of, of animals, and oh, not kosher, you can't eat those animals. Oh, it's actually Catherine and Jonathan often led worship for this 120 uh, people of our group. So they did a great job, by the way, John, well done, and Catherine, and some of the other guys, too, and uh, we just led worship. But it was so powerful that particular day. Why? It's because Peter had this vision about the st- and God says, eat. He says, I cannot eat, not kosher. I cannot eat. And of course, God was preparing him because in Caesarea, when he got there, he preached the gospel and Cornelius and his whole household and all his friends became Christians. And the same Holy Spirit fell on them. This is later in the New Testament. This is not at the beginning, early church. Those are all Jews. It's also later on Cornelius for the first Gentile becomes a Christian and they are baffled. How can these rotten, kosher, pig-eating Gentiles... And they still think that. How can they get the covenants? How can they get the Holy Spirit? And of course, Christ is because of me. And so things happen. And that place, the Holy Spirit fell. So at that place, we prayed, didn't we? We worshiped. And all these guys, 120 together, we praised and we worshiped. Thank you, Lord, from this place. Yes, from the, from the Pentecost day, I get that. But also from this place, the Holy Spirit was given to us, the Gentiles. And from that place, it went to the globe. 
And the knowledge of the glory of God, of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit was from there that every nation, and it would go all around the globe. And it's an absolutely powerful time of worship. Don't be arrogant, he says, verse 18. Do not consider yourself superior to the other branches. If you do so, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Paul says, don't be arrogant. Don't be arrogant, Gentiles. You do not support the root, but the root, the history of Israel, supports you and supports me. We should be so grateful. We are so lucky to be alive in him. Amen? It says in Romans 5, 6, it says, while we were yet still hopeless, helpless, powerless, to provide us for salvation. The Gentiles were absolutely up a creek. Up a creek. At the right time, Christ. He is our salvation. He is our substitution. He died for the ungodly. That's us. Who, who will then say, branches were broken off. Uh, the worship team can come up if you want to, please. Uh, branches were broken off so that, I could be, so that I could be grafted in. Granted. But they were broken off because of, hello? Unbelief. And you stand by? Faith. Do not be arrogant, we tremble, for God does not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and the sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provide that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in. Again, after all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into the cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Paul is saying, don't be arrogant. You have been granted into this thing by faith. Now, some people freak out because they think here, oh man, I can be cut off through unbelief. Now, I'm not going to talk about it. Now, we've got no time to talk about it. But listen, the whole context of, of Romans 9 is all about being in faith or being in unbelief. He's not talking here about the church or individual Christians. He's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about the Israel. He's talking about belief and unbelief to be in there. Your salvation is secure. When you're in Christ, you're in Christ. You're born of incorruptible seed. Hebrews 10.10 says that Jesus, he sacrificed once for all to make you holy and righteous forever. The thing is though, it's not about that. If you have faith, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You've been forgiven of your sin. You've been made righteous. You've become holy. A daughter, a son of the King, the bride of Christ. Watch out for context here because it can really mess you up. Today, I just want to celebrate what we have become. I want us to celebrate who we've become. I want us to celebrate and be grateful and thankful for this wonderful salvation that God has given us. It is such a beautiful salvation. I can see how excited you are already. It is such an incredible salvation that we have been grafted in is unbelievable. But it's attained by faith and it becomes believable. We've been grafted into this beautiful olive shoot, this olive tree. We were wild. We had no hope. Come on, we've been brought, let's stand together. We've brought into this beautiful thing. And we're going to make sure that we don't become kind of self-righteous. God doesn't like self-righteousness. Works righteousness. He loves when we have faith in Him. Faith righteousness, that's what counts. 
We honour Him. We bless Him. We believe in Him. Now we're going to celebrate that in a moment. We're going to just worship the King. We're going to thank, we're going to thank Jesus for the cross. We thank Jesus for everything He paid for us. And we thank Him for eternal life. We thank you for the gospel. But before this, maybe you're sitting here and saying, man, I, maybe I'm, I feel a bit self-righteous. Maybe I just, I tried to live good and that's good enough, isn't it, for God? Without Christ, we'll never be good enough for righteousness. The Bible says no one righteous, not even one. All have strayed away. All have lost the glory. All have lost perfection. But this perfection is given to us, back to us through Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. So maybe there's somebody here, why don't you close your eyes? Maybe there's somebody here who said, man, I need Jesus. I'm so filled with self-righteousness, but I really need faith righteousness. I need the grace of God in my life. I need to change from the inside out. I'm at the end of my self-effort. I'm at the end of my works effort. Is there anybody here that says, man, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to change my life. I need to put my faith in Him today. If this is you, why don't you put up your hand right now? Nobody's watching you. It's just between you and God. The most important decision that you will ever make in your life. Is there anybody here who says, man, I want to put my trust in Christ. I don't want to try doing it my own way. But I want to trust in God's way. I want to trust in Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here this morning? Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? The most important thing you will ever do in your life is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. He will change your life from the inside out. He'll give you the Holy Spirit like He did to Cornelius 2,000 years ago. He'll make you a new creation in Christ. He'll give you a new life. And from that life, He'll take you to places you never even dreamt of. He'll fill you with joy. He'll fill you with peace. He'll fill you with purpose. Anybody else? Thank you. Why don't we just pray with this person here today? Can you please follow this prayer that I pray? And they'll all follow together because I think it's nice to stand in unity. It says, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you carry my sin on that cross. But also that you rose victoriously to give me a new life. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your new life on the inside. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can become a new creation right now. I'll make you Lord of my life today and I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for the Lord. Angels rejoice when first person comes. Angels rejoice when people get saved. And Father, thank you. There's more this week, Lord, that you want to put on our path. More divine encounters, Lord, of people who need you. And so open our eyes, we pray. Open our eyes. Bring those people on our path, Lord, who are searching, who are looking around, who are trying to make their own way in life. But they need Jesus. Lord, we want to see people. We want to see the harvest come in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross.